Welcome, tennis fans, to the 12th episode of Tennis Traverse, Exploring the Game, the podcast that delves into the heart of the tennis world. I'm your host, Ivy J. And in today's episode, I will be doing a WTA season ending recap as well as predicting for the ATP finals coming up on November 12th. And before I start, I just want to say that I'm recording this on a Wednesday because I have some stuff to do for when I'm actually going to record it normally, like a Sunday. So this is before, like, a lot of things that might happen happen, if that makes any sense. Like, there might be some things that are really important that I didn't cover, and I'm sorry for that, but yeah. And before I actually start, please follow me on all of my social medias, that is Twitter and Instagram, using at Tennis Chivers. And if you're listening on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And read my podcast on the platform you're using to listen to it right now. And yeah, I guess we'll just go right into today's episode. I'll first start off with talking about the WTA finals taking place at Cocoon. I believe it happened on last Sunday. So what happened was Iga Swiatek played against Jessica Pagula in the finals. And she basically, with her win, she regained her number one spot with a year-end, like, year-end number one spot by beating Jessica Pagula with a score of 6-1-6-0. So she literally breadsticked and bagoed Jessica Pagula. So she was really on fire, and there's been a lot of talk surrounding the tournament about how, like, the weather conditions weren't the best, but, like, on the day of the final, the weather was, like, actually perfect. Like, there wasn't that much wind and stuff, but I think it's just how Iga... Because a lot of people actually praise Jessica Pagula for dealing really well of all the, just the external circumstances. And Iga, I think, somehow outperformed her when the weather isn't as bad as it normally would be. And with this win, she basically regained her number one spot. And I think this final, really, you guys don't have to watch it at all. It really wasn't that good and wasn't competitive, but she also, Iga Swiatek, also beat Arena Sablanka in the semifinals, and that was, like, a super important match because if Iga lost that match, she wouldn't end up with being year and number one. However, she managed to beat Arena Sablanka and thus taking her number one spot. So I think, overall, this tournament really wasn't the best considering of all like kind of the last minute menu change and how it's like announced really late but in the end the only good thing we got from it is Iga being the world number one again which I'm super proud of her and I think she deserved it a lot and now we'll do a recap of the 2023 tennis season for the WTA side because the WTA finals is basically the last tournament this whole year. So let's just go right into the recap. So I'll start off by saying who won like the all four Grand Slams. And surprisingly, it's all different this year, which I'm really happy about. And similar to this, I'll do a men's final recap, but that will be later because the ATP final is happening on the 12th, so it's going to be like maybe next next episode. 
So for Australian Open, Rina Sablenko won. For Roland Garros, Iga Swiatek won. And I believe this is her three straight wins in a row for Iga. So it's a huge improvement. We're like, not improvement, sorry, but an accomplishment for her. And I'm just really happy for her. And I think this year, well, obviously it wasn't as good compared to last year because she had like a 30-something winning streak last year. It was actually crazy, like last season. And this season, obviously, she didn't get that much, like, winning streak compared to last year. But she did really good. She still ended off defending her points and being number one year-end, even though she kind of lost that position for, like, a few weeks. And she managed to win one Grand Slam title, which I'm just super proud of her. And then Marketa Bondrosova won Wimbledon. And for this, I am genuinely surprised because she's been bo- she's been bothered by a lot of injuries. And to be honest, I really didn't expect her to go this far. I just remember last time seeing her name was, I believe, in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics where she beat Naomi Osaka, which is my idol. And I was like, wait, she actually plays good tennis, but then I didn't hear much from her. But now I think she's like low-key stepping up and doing really well. And then for US Open, obviously, it's Coco Gauff. And she really deserves this Grand Slam, despite being only at the age of 19. And I'm just really happy that her first Grand Slam is at US Open because, of course, she's from the United States. And it's just really happy to see someone actually from America winning the trophy, you know? So, yeah. And then now I'll move on to the five best WTA matches that happened. And note, like, a huge disclaimer. It's just my opinion. And to be completely honest with you, I did not watch all of the matches leading up. So I can't really say that, like, there's not, like other good matches because of course I don't watch like every single one of them so I'll just mention a few that I think are really good so the first one is US Open Final which is Coco Gauff versus Serena Sablanka and I think this one is just a classic like at first Coco Gauff was losing and then she somehow I was like because Coco Gauff lost the first set with a score of 2-6 and I was like, okay, this match is done with. Irina Sablinka's gonna win. And then she managed to come back because Irina's being really aggressive, like how she usually plays tennis. And then Coco F in the first set wasn't like try, like can't couldn't get to many of the balls. And Arena was just hitting winners after winners. And Coco in the second set somehow like just <laughs> run so much faster. Like she could get to every single ball. And I was like, wait a second, this might be a great match. And one thing that like stunned me about this match was obviously I had my parents and some family friends over. And my dad, like he literally never really watches tennis, right? And then when that match showed like on our um computer, on our tv he's like wait a second this is actually a fun match and he watched till the end like without like dozing off or something because he's like never a sport person but he was like actually super invested i was like man this must be a good match so i'll leave the link to the match down below for you guys and the next thing i want to talk about is the australian open final so i believe this is the not the second best these aren't ranked in order it's just something that i came up with the Australian Open final happened between Lena Rabakina and Irina Sablenka. And personally, I like this match also because 
it was a comeback for Rina Sablenka, who I think is super deserving of a Grand Slam title just because she worked so hard for it. And, like, genuinely, she's such a nice person. And, yeah, I just love her. And she really deserved that Grand Slam one. I think, like, everyone in the tennis community is, like, waiting for people, like, for players like her to get a Grand Slam win. Like, for example, another player we could say is like her is Ans Jabbar, who's, like, they have the ability, the skill to win seven matches in a row and win and be, like, the best of, like, a Grand Slam. But it's just not, like, sometimes a lot of factors play into it and it's just not their tournament. However, this is a tournament for Ines Ablenka and she managed to beat Elena Rabakina and... Don't get me wrong, I love Ilana Rabakina. I think she's super pretty, honestly, I know. But, like, she won Wimbledon, I believe, last year. and Or last, last year. I don't remember. But she played super well. And at first, she was, like, she won the first set. And I believe I was, like, okay, she's going to win. Because, come on, like, you already won the first set. So, However, Alina Robakina, man, Arena Sablenka, sorry, managed to come back, and I was like, I'm super proud of her. So, this is also a match I'll leave in my description down below. And then we'll move on to Alina Robakina, of course, and then who defeated Daria Kasakina. And just to clarify, this is number three, the third match. So Elena Rabakina defeated Daria Kasakina in Montreal's quarterfinal by a score of 5-7, losing in the first set, 7-5, second, and deciding set 7-6 with the tiebreak score of 8-6. Wait, sorry, 10-8. And this match took eight, 3 hours and 27 minutes, which is so long considering how women plays best of three sets, like generally like everywhere but like men play best of five sets when it's a grand slam and a best of three sets just like regular tournaments but it was so long it's like literally three hours long so it's just super impressive and the score like but the look of the score it looks intense like you see how it's like five seven seven five seven six like it looked like a super close match and it was and this year has been good, I believe, for both of them because Daria has been maintaining her ranking pretty well despite, like, not doing that well last year because I just haven't heard that much from her. But this year, I think she's been making some pretty considerable runs and I believe she won, like, one or two titles. So I'm just super happy for her. And I'll leave the link down in the description as well. And now moving on to the fourth match, which is Zheng Qingwen defeating Zhu Ling at the WTA Elite Trophy in Zhuhai for semifinals. The score is 7-5-4-6-6-1, and it took 3 hours and 19 minutes. So the thing I want to say mostly about this is like a culture, well not a culture thing, but an ethnicity thing, because I'm born in China and I've been watching tennis. The first player I watched was Li Na, and there really hasn't been that much good like Chinese players coming out and I believe this year we saw like a bunch of super incredible Chinese players such as Chen Tiwen, such as Julie and just like Wang Xinyu, like a lot of pretty good players and I'm just genuinely surprised how like they actually can compete in like really high level tournament actually like go really far so i'm just really happy for them and the score also looked pretty close except for the third set 
And something I want to point out is just on a side note, it's like um, for women's tournaments, the score can like sometimes like just trip you out because it could be zero six six zero six one. It could just like be completely flipped or like someone get bageled or like you get bageled. It's like you can bagel your opponent and your opponent can bagel yourself in the same match on in like in different sets. And I think we don't see that much during men's tennis because part of it is there's like more holding your serve which makes you obviously earn a game but for women's side it's easier to break your serves so i think that's why and there's just more rally so i think an ultimate advice is if you want to watch more rallies in generals like players getting to the ball and even though the ball's like speed is slower but there's more running around and more interaction sort of like they're hitting back and forth you should go watch the woman's side however if you want to see like just short like molly's no sorry serve volley win or like serve one two punch then you should obviously go check out the men's because there's more of that there but yeah that's just an advice and moving on to the fifth match which i think is a it's a good match and i'm i was like super happy about this but at the same time it's like sort of like a legacy that I'll say like when I say you guys will know what I'm talking about which is Venus Williams defeating Camila Georgie with a score of 7-6, 7-5 in a tiebreak, 4-6 and 7-6, 8-6 in a tiebreak. And this happened in Birmingham in round one. It took three hours and 17 minutes. So I personally enjoyed this match i didn't like watch the match live but i watched the highlights it was an amazing match and everyone in the crowd was cheering for venus because she's getting old she's like one of the oldest people on tour and she's still trying to fight for her passion of tennis and that's just what i think is a legacy that the williams sister is trying to maintain i know that the serena williams has already given birth to the second daughter and I believe her daughter's playing tennis, so I'm just really happy to see the bloodline of, like, tennis legacy and the Williams sister being passed on, and yeah, I'm just, I just think that tennis, like, the profound history, it's like, some people might say that, how, like, you don't have any history in tennis, there's, like, not a family that, like, plays tennis, but that's not true, because a perfect example will be the Williams sister, like, their dad taught them to play tennis, and now they are passing it on to their daughters and sons so I think that's a pretty valuable thing okay now for something that I think is kind of fun that I didn't really see much people doing it's like awards so I borrowed this idea from NBA they kind of have awards for like different players like most I don't know for example MVPs MIPs or just like fan favorite so I will be saying five players that I think are just, I don't know, I'm gonna say two MVPs, which stands for most valuable players, and then MIPs, which is most improved players, and fan favorite. Sorry that this might coincide with what I mentioned above, but we'll just deal with it. MVP, drum roll please. Okay, number one is Iga Sriantik, just because she ended as the world number one. I don't think there's much to explain why she got the MVP trophy because, you know, she's the world number one. So obviously she's not going to, she's going to win it. And I'm not going to explain much here because her ranking basically explained her position. <laughs> Second MVP, I'm going to say Arena Sablenka. 
just because I believe she had like such a great year and overall I think she really improved a lot and I think she's like managing to go like really deep for every single tournament and I think this is improvement on all the women's actually like before we always see like first round exit surprise first round exit and we're like okay that's not new but like this year we've been seeing less of that because I've been hearing Rina Sablinka's name like throughout tournaments however on the men's side I might be hearing for example Daniel Medvedev's exit in Roland Garros round one despite like him winning a clay title like a week before so I think it's just really funny how the tides are kind of changing so I'll give that for Rina Sablinka just because I think she's been a really stable player this year and props to her for winning Australian Open and for basically being the world number one even though she's not anymore but still props to her okay now we'll move on to the most improved players drum roll please okay first is Peyton Stearns I love her and I really to be honest I didn't know her name that sounds kind of it's like I just didn't know who she was and then when I believe I told a story on this on my podcast but like me and my friends we went to the U.S. Open during fan week and then we're supposed to see Layla practicing with her with Peyton Stearns and then Layla had a practice after and we were trying to get her um, Layla's autograph but she just left because obviously she had a practice after, so it's like totally normal for her to leave. And then my friend was like, it's fine, I just want a selfie. So we just got a selfie with Peyton, and she went to, I believe, the quarterfinals of this tournament. And we're like, oh my god, we're the lucky charm, so bless her. But like, it's just, she's super nice, she's super cool. And then we are like, good luck, and she said thank you. So she's just a super nice person, and she really did this really well this year. And I didn't really know much about her, like, before the U.S. Open, so I didn't know how she did before then, but in the U.S. Open, she did super well, and I just really like her style of tennis. She's really aggressive when she needs to be, and she's also really good at techniques, like, her hands can do a lot of things. Like, she can use slices, she can volley, it's just super, she's, like, super well, I don't know, like, trained, not trained, but, like, she is well trained, but, like, she knows the game of tennis, which I'm super happy for her and proud of her. So yeah, props to Peyton and we hope to like see another good year for her next year. And then it's Marketa Mandrosova for the second most improved players. I believe I talked about this and this podcast is going a bit long. So I just want to say I also said that Marketa Mandrusova is one of the most improved players because she's been dealing with injuries. I talked about this before and she won Wimbledon, which is a huge comeback for her. I'm just really happy for her and I'll see what's going to come next for her. Now for a fan favorite, because it's a fan favorite, I believe there could only be one person. Drumroll, please. Sorry my drum ro- if my drumroll sounds really weird. It's just me tapping on my laptop. Okay, <laughs> which is... Fan favorite is Coco Gauff, and I believe she's a fan favorite, obviously, because she's just so adorable. Like, every time I see her, I'm like, she's so little, because she's literally only 19 years old, and she's competing at one of the biggest stages, like, ever, with, like, hundreds, millions of people just watching her play tennis and she just acts so natural and she's super nice every time i scroll through instagram i can see her like liking random reels or just commenting stuff under players posts so she seemed like a really nice person in general and she just i love her energy and how like her her whole support team works so 
I'm just really happy for her that she won US Open, and I think undoubtedly she's one of the fan favorites. And then I will also give some honorable mentions, I guess. I didn't came up with the list. I just, my mind just randomly, like, I don't know, appeared out of nowhere to say I should do some honorable mentions. So first one is Emiliana Arangel because when I saw her, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. And I think she's doing really well. So yeah. And then I'm going to go with Alina Rabakina just because... She deserved it. She's been in the Grand Slam final this year. And then I'll say Jelena Ostapenko. She's also doing really well. And then I believe I'll say Jessica Pagula because she put up a tough fight, I believe. And the last honorable mention will be, drumroll please, Ans Jabbar. Because Ans Jabbar is super deserving, even though her end of the year really hasn't been a great she really didn't perform well at the U.S. Open because of her whole sickness issue, but everyone thought she was going to win Wimbledon against Marketa Vondrosova, and of course, she let us down again. But I'm really happy for Marketa, obviously, but I really hope that Ans will win the title next year because she certainly deserves it, and she's been in a play, um, final for three times. She just, she has to win one. And now we're done with the WTA season recap. If you guys have any comments or any suggestions of like things I might have missed, please feel free to comment or DM me on Instagram or Twitter. And for the ATP finals, I think this is running a bit long, my podcast, so I'll just end it off quickly. But I think it's the best finals we had in a long time. It's just a bunch of really good, superb players. And I'm just super excited to see the matchups. Like, truly, it's going to be phenomenal. Even though Casper's not in it. But to be honest, can we blame it? Like, Casper really hasn't had the best season. But still, I think this is the best finals we had in a long time. My prediction is... I'm just going to list four out of eight who I think might win. So it's not really a prediction, but if it's one in the four, then... I can say that I'm pretty smart. Anyways, okay. I'm being too comfortable on this podcast. So, Sinner might win. Novak might win. Carlos might win. And Medvedev might win. And I think I'll just still put the bet on... Actually, not on Novak. Because even though he's been playing well and he won Paris, he looked super tired. But I'm still saying Novak could win just because how... Like, he always recovers, and he's just, like, insane to me. Like, he's not human. Like, how can he recover so fast and just be, like, super in super condition by, like, the start of the next tournament? I don't get it, but him, Carlos Alcaraz, even though he had a surprise, like, round two exit, but I think he's gonna, like, he's gonna know how, like, he still has a lot to improve on and can maybe motivate him. And then Medvedev, just because he's been having such a good year. And then Sinner, Yannick Sinner, just because he won US, I'm um, sorry, China Open. And his year also has been pretty good. So yeah, I guess these are my predictions. Okay, now I guess this ends off today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed. I had a literally blast filming it. I'm just so happy I started this podcast because it's actually been such a fun journey. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. You guys should follow my social medias. That is Instagram and Twitter using at 
Tennis Traverse. That is at Tennis Traverse. And comment, like, subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Also, rate my podcast on the platform you're using to stream my podcast right now. And feel free to like DM me, email me, or just, I don't know, somehow contact me to like give any suggestions or just say like just any comments in general i'll read them and respond and yeah i guess this just ends off today's episode i'll see you guys next week bye